All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Glass Half Sports. I am one half of your hosting duties, uh, Nick Huffman, and I promise that this show will be better than the Bucks in the second half of Game 5 for the rest of its eternity. Um, big shout out to the Slim Reaper, Kevin Durant, for absolutely annihilating them, and we'll get to that later with a little bit of an NBA check-in. Uh, thank you for turning in. Um, this is... Uh, the actual, if you don't hate the sound of who we are and how this show kind of lays out, feel free to give us a follow uh, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube. I think that covers absolutely all of them. Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter well. yep, we're on Twitter too. Um, at Glass Half Sports, all the way spelled out just like it is on your screens right now. I am joined to my right by an individual who is not only a quarterback, but spent the weekend sharing a football field and competing against Cam freaking newton mike tell the folks what's up how's it going everybody uh not so much i mean okay so i just got back from the nfa seven on seven uh national championships cam newton had six or seven teams there um got mike to beat every single one of them no I don't know <laughs> my team not. uh my club team for my organization finished 12th out of 28 so still pretty decent for nationals and then the freshman team i want to say like 14th or 15th hey. as well so um pretty good for you know, putting Minnesota kids on the map. And I did get to see Cam up close, man. It was pretty crazy. He is a huge human being in person. Shout out. Um, shout out, Cam. Very, very large. Huge shoulders. Uh, I'm 6'4", and he was towering over me that's, as well. That's a large individual. Um, very nice guy as well. Pretty much always had a smile on his face the whole weekend. It's always good. What was he? Was he uh, in, I heard it was in no, South Florida heat. You yeah, told me so a little story it, yeah, about Yeah, so on uh, Saturday, it was uh, like 95 uh, the UV index, which isn't even supposed to go above 10, was at 11. Oh. Um, very humid. And this man was out there with long black sleeves and long black tights. And it's like, dude, it is too hot for that. And he said he's been doing it for years. So That's, all, that's insane. Yep. Were there any child hecklers there that he had to deal with this, this, this time? I know when he shows up to these things last time out, there was a little punk kid that decided to get up in Cam's grill. Did you get up in Cam's grill, and was there anybody that no, I didn't, was doing so at said camp? I didn't see anything like that. Um, actually, that was one thing. You know, The sportsmanship pretty much all the way around the whole tournament was pretty solid. Um, sometimes at these tournaments, you can definitely get some, some arguments, some biting, some fisticuffs. But um, shout out to NFA for running a pretty solid tournament. So. That's what's up. Uh, so today's show, uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, actually. We have yeah, a lot to cover Big show. Today. So, Good show today. Uh, UFC 263 will kick us off. Um, a little bit of a recap there. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about the Twins, um, possibly on the upswing long term. They're kind of, uh, they have a star in the making. We shall see. How about see. that? Um, last half topic of the day, of course, my birthday segment. I turned the big 2-8 on June 13th. Um, Screaming it on 30. All right. Thanks. Made, made me feel a lot better about myself right there. Uh, NBA playoff check-in, and then the Vikings defense is really shaping up. Uh, oh, we talked about the roster. secondary last week, but we're going to dive into the whole defense today as well. So Big news, folks. Um, why don't you kick us off with the first segment of the day, UFC 263. Yeah, um, it was, first of all, it was an incredible show. It happened last weekend on Saturday. Um, there were some cool things going on. It was one of the first fight cards that UFC's ever had where they had a five-round non-title fight, so that was kind of cool to see. Um, it stretched out the back end of the card. I'm always all about that. Um, got to see Izzy. Got to see a lot of things. Um, but let's launch. Let's let, let's just talk about the I mean, feel-good yeah, feel story. Feel good story of, I don't know, the century in Brandon Moreno. Yep. So this guy has a story that is movie worthy. Yeah. So 
starts fighting real young. I think he was like 18 when he was at uh, uh, LFP or PFL. It was Pride Pride Legacy Fighting. Okay. Uh, and one of those featherweight divisions worked his way all the way up to becoming uh, a champion there and then gets cast on to the UFC's uh, tough... Um, the Ultimate Fighter. The Ultimate Fighter group, right? And and he was actually the last seed on the Ultimate Fighter as well. Last seed, and it was the 25th, 25th anniversary, I believe, for that. I believe so. And so it was the Tournament of Champions is kind of what they had titled it, and he comes out in the first fight and is dead set with this guy and then gets rear naked choked. So we're going to talk about that in a minute because that whole situation comes full circle when he gets to Figueredo. But so he gets he gets bounced. He then has his. You can see him getting choked out right there. Then he uh, stays with the UFC for a little bit, wins a couple of fights, then loses a couple of fights and gets bounced and goes over to Pride. Works his way all the way back up to being a champion. Um, he leaves Pride, comes back to the UFC after being cut. Has one good fight. Has another good fight. Then steps in short notice, fights Figueredo in what was a candidate, if not the fight of the year where they just beat the living daylights out of each other. Uh, Cejudo, uh, Henry Cejudo takes the championship in decision, and we get the rematch, and then Moreno comes out. And in the and when I tell you he looked faster, he looked stronger, he looked smarter than anybody else that was in the ring that night. It looked like he, was throw, he had bricks attached to the backs of his hands in right. it. It changed the whole outlook of the well, fight. He was just working in slow motion almost is what it looked it like. It was right? in, well, yeah. And so then he gets it to the ground, even though he's having a ton of success. And what does he do? He gets the rear naked choke and takes home the title and becomes the first ever Mexican born UFC champion in history. So massive round of applause and congratulations to that guy right there. Mike, when you hear a story like that, tell me how you feel. I mean, it's like we said, it's the feel good story of the year, um, especially pretty much for all sports right now. Um, we're always kind of looking for stories like that, but coming out of COVID, life is actually getting back to normal. And then we have a guy that's, you know, just overcoming all of this adversity to still be the champion of the UFC. It's it's, uh, it's pretty awesome to see. Um, and I, I that's, so I am a little older. Um, I probably act older than my age too. And I'm a kind of a casual UFC fan. Um, honestly, if the fights were at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'd probably watch them. Um, just can't stay up that late. Typically. Mike's got dad duty. Folks. I got He's dad duty. So early. I'm typically asleep at like nine, nine thirty. So the, these title fights at 11, 1130 at night, uh, I typically rough. miss. Yeah. Um, but man, that's why I love watching the UFC when I can and love that as a sport, because there's so much heart and drive that goes into it. Um, and I think Brandon Moreno is the epitome of that. Just shows, hundred percent, hundred percent, and he's by the way. Win. You want to talk about Dana just being beside himself? He's got a Mexican-born star now. Think about it. When he had Usman and Adesanya, and then they went over to the UK or New Zealand or whatever. Now he's got a Mexican-born fighter, like he had with Cain Velasquez. I assume that they're going to go back to Mexico City. That is going to be an insane event when you yep. got guys like Max Holloway on the roster, some of these other, you know, Latin or Spanish born fighters who got an incredible reception, by the way, in Arizona. And those fans wanted no part of any like grappling. Right. Like there was active grappling going on during 263 that was getting booed. Like, like audibly, you could hear it over Joe Rogan in the announce table, sure. in which was insane. So um, we're definitely going to have to make it out to one of those fights these days. But there is a question. There is something that I noticed that came out of this whole Brandon Moreno thing that I wanted to ask you about. Henry Cejudo, in the last two fights, 
has had an extremely difficult time with the weight cut. We've seen this with guys like Dustin Poirier. We've seen it with guys like Gilbert Burns where they're fighting a weight class below where they should be. And they kind of develop this glass jaw because the body just doesn't recover or it's not as durable as it should be because their body fat percentage is so low. Right. So at any point, do you think, and I hate to say it because I know he's the feel-good story, did Moreno win this against a guy that is just going to go get a title in another division and he really isn't cut for the from the cloth? Or like... And I don't know enough about his division, like who's behind Cejudo, because obviously the rematch happening back to back, the way that it does, the way that it did, kind of tells me, okay, well, is there not anybody else? In I mean, the picture. First but, of all, if you're fighting at that level, like you're clearly cut from a different cloth. Right. Even if you're the third seed fighting the fourth seed, like you are one of the best fighters in the world at that yeah. point. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I tell a lot of the kids that I coach. You know, it's control what you can control. Brandon Moreno can't control who they line up across from. True. Very he true. Can't. Um, all he can do is take care of who that is. Yeah. Um, honestly, if you're cutting weight, typically you're not exactly down to the weight that you are striving for a week or two before the fight. It's typically a couple days. I mean, but when you're getting down to the last minute and when you see how big of a, like how big Cejudo is compared. Well, that's what like I'm saying. Is your, your body isn't technically at the tip top shape because you're cutting weight into the fight right. almost you, you you're not cutting your weight and then waiting two weeks and then fighting and just mm -hmm. maintaining yeah. it's typically like last second last minute you're still trying to cut that weight to get it down yeah you know what i'm saying yep like no, i agree so i mean that sucks for the other guy but moreno took care of business no i'm and extremely happy for him i think it's awesome to see stuff like that we don't see Did enough you, so Matthew oh, Ryan says go. he was in the LFA. LFA, there we go. I appreciate that, Matt. And yeah, guys, hey, let us know. How do you feel about Brandon Moreno's story? This is something that we don't get to do very often. There's a lot of, uh, of downswings. We talk a lot of teams that are tripping over themselves and shooting themselves in the foot. This guy has capitalized. Um, so, you know, just let us know. Is this a feel-good story for you? Is this something you that you like that the UFC is kind of putting on display and that he's a star now? Um, and where do you see him him going, what's his next fight look like? Let us know in the comments section. If we don't get to it, obviously, on this show, we can always follow back up with you on all of our social pages as well. Right. So I'm curious to see how he progresses and does he stay at the top? Same. I'm very interested because if I, I, I get it, like he's got to take care of the dude that's in front of him. But if the dude's got a glass jaw and somebody comes in with a rock chin, right. how does that fight, how does that change things? You know what I mean? So I guess we'll find out. Um, outside of that, we also had... Uh, the last style bender defending his title at the middleweight division after uh, coming down uh, on Jan Blahovich um, from his loss in the Apex a few months back and absolutely annihilated the phony bad Italian Vit uh, Vitor or whatever. It was a text textbook fight. Um, you know, buckle up, guys, because when he's in that bigger ring and he's weighing in at, at 168, he's the best, I will say, the best fighter alive. I think there's a reason why John Jones ducks him at, at the lightweight division and why he wants to go up. I think there's a reason why Jan Blahovich took the fight in a smaller ring because it was to Izzy's disadvantage and Jan's advantage right. to be able to catch him with how uh, elusive he was. And you saw well, it a Izzy ton. moves, yeah. So he, the bigger ring. Is Watching that fight, that was one of the biggest things that I noticed. Even when, because Izzy, he said even in the post-fight interview, he's like, I wanted to show my grappling. I wanted to show that I could wrestle. I wanted to show how good I was up against the cage. So there were times where he'd back up against the cage. And you've seen that highlight where, Ali dunks like 14 punches yep. in a row. Izzy was doing stuff like that 
and Vitor is out there just swinging at air. Right. So he is he is legit dangerous. I don't think Robert Whitaker, who is his next opponent, is going to stand a chance against him. Um, it was a clean sweep. What were your thoughts? He looks like the best fighter in that weight class. I mean, that's clear cut at this point. Um, just in the notes, you know, you asked me who could beat him. Um, I would say probably Whitaker has the best chance. <laughs> Maybe. But right? that doesn't mean that he's necessarily got a great chance either, you know. And he utilized the hell out of this leg kick and just totally immobilized Vitor, who took it for five rounds. And even in exchanges like this, where he had him down on the ground, it didn't take long. Well, for him to what get I back noticed to too feet. is like, Izzy's just calm. Like, even if he's on his back with someone on top of him, he's just calm. There's no panic there. Um, it's just confidence, I think. He knows it's going to work out his way in a way. Yeah. And and by the way, what a showman, dude. When Vitor just didn't have it anymore and he had him pinned up against the fence, he's, like, playing to the crowd, like, hey, boo this guy. Can we get some action? At the end of the fight, he's throwing, like, pot shots at his calf. And Izzy, like, falls over and pretends to whine and cry. And, right. like, just he's super good for the UFC. I think he is very much um what dana saw in connor with the way that he acts in the ring he knows it's a spectator sport they want to see the knockout they want to see the fun they want to see whatever textbook fight i think izzy is only going to continue to get better um i'm interested to see john jones would actually beat him up yeah i do i do do too actually to be honest in a larger ring that's tough i don't know man. that's tough john jones is he's great one of the best if not i agree but if you get he's just such a sophisticated striker and i know john jones is too right John Jones is so long, too, though. I don't know. But, I mean, look at – he had trouble. John Jones had issues with guys like Ben Gustafson. Ben Gustafson got in the ring and gave John Jones a very hard time. He was a longer fighter. Alexander Gustafson. Maybe. Gustafson. Alexander Gustafson. Um, He's a longer fighter. Not necessarily uh, like a wrestling background, but was a very creative striker. That's very, 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 very much what Izzy is. So, stylistically, you go – well, if Izzy's better than guy A, and we look at the how the match planned out, I think there's an opportunity there for him to beat. So who do you see possibly like giving Izzy a run for his money? I don't see anybody in the division right now. I really don't. So, I think okay, no, I'm gonna stop you right there because of the wording that you used. You said I don't see anybody in the division right now. Mike has some news. So Luke Rockhold is I want to shout out my brother for this because my brother is shout out my UFC informants because like i said i'm kind of a casual fan when it comes to it um and my brother is the opposite of a casual fan this gotcha. guy lives breathes and dies like UFC well, he and took second in a and, and he just took second in a BJJ tournament. tournament so he's so shout respectable. Out Matt. um awesome great job but he informed me that luke rockhold is actually coming out of retirement and has been talking mad shit luke got rockhold he. yep last three fights got ko'd there you go um but hey you know it's been a couple years his brain could be back to normal by now. Worked out well for Connor coming back after a layoff, huh? Worked out well for D- the Diaz brothers. You never coming. know, man. You know, it's just, it's Everybody's hard. a you, different animal, it's, right? It's, it's, it's difficult. I don't think, I think there's a better chance of him getting run at champ champ for a second time than there is anybody dethroning him at the middleweight division. Yeah. Like, I really do. And I think if, like I said, I think they put that fight in a larger ring. Um, Rockhold is over. <laughs> facts, see? Yeah. Um, I just don't. I just don't see it. Like, if they put him in the larger ring, that fight. Some people already argue that Izzy won it against Jan. If Jan's holding the title and there isn't really anybody in the light heavyweight division since John Jones is going up for 
Yanda fight, do you run that back? I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? So that position. <laughs> it's 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 just different. And then uh outside of that, we had the fight of the night with Diaz return. Okay, so the story behind this is Leon Edwards has been trying is on a nine fight win streak, right? Coming into this fight, but can't seem to get himself a meeting with Kamara Usman in the ring. There's a lot of congestion at the top of that list right now. Kamara is going to start lapping fools. Very talented. Super talented. Um, nine fight win streak. They say they're going to give it to Colby Covington for the next fight, even, but nine fight win streak comes in, fights Nate Diaz. And looked like a stone cold killer. Four rounds of not putting up with any of Nate Diaz's BS. Um, Nate had a lot of different tactics that he used coming into the fight, standing up against the fence, turning his back, trying to catch him coming in. And they said it during the broadcast. Very much, it's a very Diaz thing to do, right? They're entertainers as well. Um, wasn't having any of it, and turned Nate Diaz into Nate Diaz. So when I say that, when I say a Nate Diaz fight, knowing you didn't watch it, what are the first few things that you think come to mind if I say vintage Nate? I mean, honestly, the first word that comes to mind is blood. <laughs> like, if, if there's a Nick or a Nate Diaz fight, like, they're going to come out and basically try to knock you out. Yeah, and I know. Like, they're going to knock you out or you're going to win by decision, and there's no in-between. And that fight, man, he, Leon Edwards, turned Nate Diaz into a walking zombie by the third round. Uh, you know, there was a, a point a point in the fight where, you know, he had him down on the ground and he threw an elbow and it looked like he had been hit in the side of the head with a golf club. You know, then he busted open that eye where he's got a bunch of scar tissue and Nate just kept on trucking. Nate also took a lot of leg kicks on that front leg, similar to Conor McGregor, which I want to get your opinion on here in a second. But then we get to the fifth round, and Nate's landing a couple shots, landing a couple shots, slap, bang, and just jellies Leon Edwards. Like, had Nate had anything left in the tank, he would have been able to finish him, and the place went insane. I was watching it live, and I was standing on my couch watching this fight. By himself. Yep, by, by myself. Screaming. My dog cowering in the corner thinking I'm losing my mind. <laughs> But no, and that's the beauty of Nate Diaz, right? right? Even in a loss, even when he's all the way taxed out, even when he hasn't, he didn't spar at all the last month after, um, oh, he thought Leon was, and some people have said that, but if you look, when you watch it, if you go back, you the dude's legs are jelly as he's so back. I actually want to take this opportunity. That's our producer, Gabe Noah. Uh, he thought Leon was faking towards the end of the fight. And I actually want to give a huge shout out to Gabe. Um, we have weird schedules nick and i yeah. do especially me like dude That's i've true. been so busy lately and gabe has been very flexible to help us run the show so huge shout out to gabe love you gabe thank you gabe i love you guys too oh feel good moment on the show number two there we're we setting go. records over here. um but this yeah no that's exactly what i was kind of talking about with the diaz brothers right like they they could literally lose a fight and their first thing that they're going to say in the press conference is about two more minutes that fucker's down no oh, like he got even during the press conference he's like I'm ready for war. Like I knew I was going to bleed like, yeah, you know what I mean? So like I, more power to him. So few questions for you that come out of this fight, seeing him slump Nate up like this is Leon good enough to get into the title fight post Covington and win. Depends on how his training goes. 
Okay. Right. Um, Ten fight win streak. That's like the third longest in UFC history. So he's got that going for him. Is that going for him though, or is that almost against him? Because he's kind of due for a loss in a way as well, right? right. So I don't know. It's uh, that's why UFC is so interesting because I truly think it's it's like football in that way that any any given Saturday, if you want to say it that way, any, um, it really could go either way. Yeah. So then we've got that. So then we go, okay, so Nate almost takes this guy out in the fifth round. Right. Is Nate a title contender still? Like, it, assume that this he – so they postponed the fight because he got cut during camp. He didn't have the chance to spar the last month before the fight. He admitted he was just kind of milling around, right? Fuck it. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah, fought a zombie. Um, I mean, that's that's just goes to show the style of the Diaz. Right. Like – they how they fight it? though is like yeah that's the thing is like they can catch you once and it could be over right so yeah does he deserve a title fight maybe prove himself a little bit more you know one or two more fights but he picks up he picks up a win and i think it's very easy yeah for, you, for him to go okay usman has beat everyone else yeah try to beat nate diaz right try right? To and nick's him. coming back try to too. knock him out and nick's coming back too yeah. so that's that's gonna be fun um, and then I want to talk about this leg kick, right? You hear Joe Rogan talk about this leg kick a lot. Some of these older guys, McGregor, the Diaz brothers, uh, you saw it with Vitor, some of these boxing heavy, these stand-up guys are just being immobilized by this leg kick. And I wonder, Connor hasn't proven necessarily that he can do it yet, and we're going to see in the trilogy fight if it's happened. Nate displayed it here. There have been some other veterans that have displayed this issue can you be an older fighter and evolve a game that will help defend against this leg kick? Because it is neutralizing every older fighter in the UFC right now. Dude, I really don't don't even know how to answer that. It depends on the fighter, right? Like some fighters are going to fight the similar style throughout their entire careers. Yep. Some fighters have to evolve in order to survive. So it it I don't think you can make a blanket statement saying, yes, they can learn, or no, they can't. I think it really just depends on the fighter and that drive to learn new things to stay there. Because here's the thing. If you're an older fighter, you've been working your ass off mm -hmm. for years. Like, the, the training that goes into these 20, 25-minute fights is insane. It's nuts. And you saw um, it. In the, you saw to it continue in... that up for years and years and years, and now all of a sudden you have to switch your training and do different things, how, much, how bad do you want it? It goes, it's fighter to fighter to me. So if it's how bad do you want it, how bad do you think? Because we're gonna make we're gonna make mention to it. There's another big UFC fight coming up that will set the world on fire if it goes the way I think it's going to. Yep. Do you think Connor has found a way to maybe go back to his roots a little bit, narrow that stance up, and beat Poye in on July 10th? See, I I think with of fans Connor back? and Floyd Mayweather in kind of the same breath. Um I'm not sure if Connor is necessarily fighting for the fight fame or fame. or the purse itself. True. You I see think what I'm saying? So, like, I don't know if he is truly dialed in yeah. trying to win the fight. Well, obviously, he's trying to win the fight. But, like, he is there to What's collect, he a, for? collect a check yeah. and go the hell home. I mean, I think it depends on what version of Connor you get. Right. Right. I think... Him fighting without fans or without a full stadium. Well, you get the young and hungry Connor, it's totally different, right? When you get him, like, think about it, dude. He's a showman. Right. Mayweather is a showman. If you don't have fans in the stands, guys like that, they lose juice. So I wonder if that was part of it. He was very quiet during the press conference this last go-round, wasn't the villain. That's who Connor's got to be, if you ask me, in order for him to be successful, right? 
when Chad Johnson stopped talking when he went to New England and Miami, he stopped performing. When T.O. shut up, he stopped performing. When Randy was shut up, he quit performing. Uh, you have to yeah, steer into the skit. I'm talking like when he came back to Minnesota or got kicked over to San Francisco or went to Tennessee, right? Like the minute you take a, you take the the antics or the juice out of a guy and you try to change who he is, he's not going to be the same fighter. So, Connor, please, because I am a massive, massive, massive fan of yours. Come with the juice, man. Are you a big fan of Connor? Huge. Okay. Just massive. Checking. Just did. Four just massives. To make sure. Yeah. Okay. Massive with four M's. <laughs> okay. So that'll wrap up uh, the UFC talk, uh, unless Mike has any further thoughts. Nope. I'm good. Let's move on. We want to talk about the uh, the garbage can Minnesota trash cans, twins, whatever. I mean, you want hey, to call it. the future looks bright. Possibly. Maybe. We'll see. We have. I brought this up because I do think the guy is playing well. Okay, the twins have who? Nick Gordon. All right, go ahead and tell me a little bit. brother of D. Gordon. There you go. Um, he's hitting very well. Very what's well. His, what's his average right now? 340. So 344. 344. Um, and um, he was one of the. stupid high. Really, for baseball right now. The only yeah. other guy that's hitting 344 in the majors right now is Vlad Guerrero's kid. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Ah. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so honestly, he's the brother of D. Gordon. If you guys don't know who D. Gordon is, he's mm-hmm. he's great fielder, amazing yeah. speed. Yep. Um, and I think that's very similar to Nick. Okay. Um, great athletic ability. Okay. Um, I'm just curious to see how he progresses. And, okay. you know, with baseball, you could be on a hot streak. Pitchers learn your zones, what to pitch you, and then all of a sudden here comes the cold streak. So it's all dependent on how long does this continue? How does he bounce back from the cold streak that is inbound eventually? It will come. Um, You know, is it two or three games or is it 23 games? Um, But I think the Twins' future is bright. They have other great prospects. I think we have four or five on the top 50 or something insane like that. Yeah, guess who's not on it? Who's that? Nick Gordon. Really? He is the 18th best prospect in the Twins organization right now. So this is why I brought this up. That's goofy as hell. I'm going to give this guy all of his props, right? So pulled up the scouting report. Pretty much says here he's 22 years old, so he's nice and young. 6'2 guy, 200 pounds, good weight for a ball player. But if you go and you read through his, his bio, it says things like doesn't have a massive arm. It says things like struggles to have the strength to hit line drives. Um, May not be a permanent shortstop, probably uh, an above average second base talent level fielder. Not fast, but has good instincts. So this is, what do we say? 500 gets you more. 500. Nick Gordon is a 500 ball player. Now, here's the, 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 the silver lining. He's one of 25 guys in MLB history in his first games first 10 games to have 10 base hits and five stolen bases. Those are great offensive numbers. So now how would how would you have five stolen bases in 10 games if you can't run? If, you, if They you said he doesn't have speed. elite speed. He's got good instincts. That's what the scouting report says. Now, scouting reports have been wrong Bogus. a lot. They've also been right a lot. I mean, just look at some of the prospects that we have coming up, though. Kirloff, Royce Lewis. Ah, we're going to stop right there because that's who I want to talk about. All right. That's who I want to talk about. The Twins are dog water. They're not making the playoffs, right? <laughs> dog water. They're dog, right. water. dog water. Bad. Let's start using that Horrible. term, everybody. Dog water. Okay. They're really, really bad. They're bad, bad. The Twins are bad. Okay. So if you got a team that's not going to make it to the playoffs and then you have a top prospect, what should you probably do with that individual? Depends on who the individual is. You could just launch them into the um, majors. 
and let him basically settle in. The thing is, is dependent on the kid that could, if he doesn't perform well, that could be detrimental to his confidence. What if he's tearing it up in the minors? Part of me almost says leave him and let that confidence just go through the roof. Okay. Um, Because bringing him up to a bad team. I mean, that's my whole thing with especially young athletes, no matter the sport, honestly, is you got to keep that confidence up because that's going to have them training harder. That's going to have them playing better um, and just progressing faster. So as long as they can keep his confidence high, I don't see any issue with bringing him up um, and letting him be in a Twins uniform. But if he, like, say he comes up and he goes one for 20 in his first 20 at-bats, send him the fuck back right away. Okay. Like, have him on an extremely short lease leash in the majors because i mean obviously depending on the kid too some these are kids we're talking about 20 21 22 year old kids um depending on how they react to adversity okay um then you could maybe yeah like so gabe yeah exactly it is a psychological move um maybe not necessarily letting him know that Everything isn't handed to him, but I think it's more so about his confidence and letting him basically be the best player in the minors. This is then you know you're differ. ready. This for is next where we year. differ. This is where we differ. Okay. This is where me and you are. So going. you would just throw him into the fire. So here's the thing: it's the year 2021. The Twins are bad and they're injury riddled, right? So even if and we're like old and weird spots, yeah, old and weird spots, bad. And so you've got. Polanco, who may or may not stay. You've got Snow, who may or may not stay. You've got Larissa Rise, who's been up and down. You're injury riddled. You don't have outfielders. In the year 2017, Royce Lewis was the number one draft pick by the Minnesota Twins. Right? He has been tearing the cover off the ball in the minors. He's a utility player that can play in the outfield and in the infield at multiple positions. He's got home run power. He hits for average. He's smart on the baseball. He's a five-tool player from every understanding of the scouting report that we have gotten back from the twins. And you promote Nick Gordon over the guy who is supposed to be the future of your franchise. That is wrong, 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 wrong. You had an opportunity to see what he was going to be capable of here in a year where you're probably going to be able to follow this up with another number one overall draft pick, because that's how bad you are. And you're not even going to take a look at if he's ready, not to mention he's also older I mean, I would definitely, I would have him playing with the Saints and not in the Double A organization right now for sure. You got to be close, Um, but they're not. I don't necessarily. I don't know necessarily about just throwing him into the majors yet. It's it's hard. It's hard. It's when you're a number one draft pick, man. Remember, you're still whenever he gets still baseball. It takes five to six to seven years to truly develop into. Not if you're a guy. Not if you're a guy. When Joe came up within the first year or two, we knew. When Bryce came up within the first year or two, they knew. Bryce Harper was like. Was a number one overall pick, and that's the expectation when you draft that guy. So the flip side of this argument is if you're not, if if you don't think he's somebody that you can start day one, he's not a number one overall pick. I look at it very similar to the NFL. You don't draft a guy number one overall if you don't think he's going to revolutionize your franchise when you get him. When you draft a guy in the majors, though, as a number one overall pick, typically a high school senior. Yeah. Okay. They're facing 80 to 80, maybe 85 mile an hour fastballs. Maybe. He's been successful against elevated talent. Okay. In double A? Still elevated talent. 
I don't know, man. The majors is a different animal. But you're not Plus, even going to look. You're not even going to open the box to look. I mean, like I said, I I would maybe put him up for a short stint on a short leash. And if he stinks, and maybe he even like predetermine, hey, you're only going to be up between this game and this game no matter what happens. So if he does get sent back down, it doesn't hurt his confidence in that way. You haven't used an option on his contract yet either. Right. You've got three. You've got, you got three you, to use, right? Three to use. And then he's going to be stuck. And then he, you're on the roster for six years, pretty much. You know what I mean? So like, But he hasn't done any MLB service, so we still have rights to him for... Yeah, unless Maybe that's the traded. thing, too, is maybe they don't want him to serve any MLB service yet. Yeah, but if he's going to be a leader in that locker room because he's going to be replacing maybe he's one be of the guys. Maybe for a long time to come, though. And that's why they're like, yeah, Nick Gordon, go, go ahead if you and play. Knew, if you knew we you suck right now. Mike, if you knew, when you knew you could be a starter and they weren't going to let you be a starter at quarterback, were you irritated? Uh, I mean, yeah. Did you did you have some form of resentment to the, towards the coaching it's a, staff? It's a totally different scenario. This guy is no, oh, it's different. Not it's if different. he th- if he thinks he's MLB ready, and we've had him for almost we've had him for four then years. Continue now. to cover tear the cover off the ball, and you will be there soon enough. It's not <sighs> like us, he's, let us know he's not going to go anywhere. It's not like okay. So when I when I thought I should have been starting, I wasn't playing at all. It's not like I played in JV games in college on Saturdays, <laughs> right? Fair. Like he is playing. Day in and day out, playing well. Um, I don't see the comparison there, to be honest. I do. So that's all. Well, that's why you said it. Yeah. Right? No, but so let us know. Let us know. Who would you have rather have seen the Twins promote? Nick Gordon, who, by the way, is having a a great stint up at the pros. Yeah. Or would you have had an opportunity, or would you have liked to have seen the Twins take the step and show us the number one guy and show us a little bit of the future to give us something to watch? What number is Lewis going to wear for the I have no idea. I don't even know what number he wears. In, I think he's in like the in the 70s, right 71 now, but or something goofy. I don't think it'll change right when he gets up to the pros. But let us know what you think. Um, obviously, Mike sits on the side of let's wait till he's 30 to promote him. I That's sit on the side of the guy is 22. Give him some time. Like he doesn't have to. No, oh, no. All right. Let's move on. You're pissing me off. Well, and it's kind of my birthday, so I get to choose. That's true. All right, we'll 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 respect Mike's belated birthday. Okay, yep. and that's what we're gonna do next. We're gonna go into Mike's birthday segment. So, uh, Mike is actually one of my closest friends. Um, so I wanted believe to believe it some, or not. Yeah, right. So I wanted to do <laughs> something special for him getting older. Um, and so we're going to do a greats at twenty eight segment for you today. Okay. Mike right. turned twenty eight years old over the weekend. So here's what we're gonna do. I have pulled some fringe twenty eight players. Where you could look at him and go, eh, no, or yeah, that guy was a stud. So All I'm right. gonna put some pictures up on the screen, and I want you to give me your argument to are they great at 28 or are they not? And then you guys can comment alongside um, Mike um, if you have all the matched up stuff. Um, I'll have him send you a personalized video that says, "Hey, thanks for siding with me." So great or not? Great or not? All Even right. Even if so, they were like above average or good. Here we go. Ooh. Bert Blylevin, the complainer from Bly the Hall of Fame. Fame. I got to go great on that one. Okay. Why? Like, I mean, all I'll say is his curveball. He did have great curveball. His curveball was great in and of itself. Um, yeah, man. Like, I, I would say great. I think that's that's obvious. That's not even as a Minnesota sports fan. Like, especially if you look at, like, just dudes who've worn the number 28 in the majors. Like, he's probably on the top, one of the top guys. Top three, probably. Maybe. We'll see. Like, I don't know. He was dominant in his time. He also gave up more home runs than anyone in MLB he threw a history. A lot. Like, when you throw an effective curveball, you're going to hang it once in a while. 
He wasn't part of the spider tack era either, so I guess I can give him some credit. I would say great. You're going to say great. All right. You wouldn't? I mean, I, maybe it's just me, how I look at it personally, because I had to sit there and listen to him bitch and complain about, I'm not in the Hall of Fame forever as a broadcaster. And then every time something didn't go his way for the Twins, he would kind of bash the Twins, who afforded him the opportunity to be a great at 28. 3,701 strikeouts. No, 287 I'm, victories. I'm not saying he's 60 trash. shutouts and 242 complete games. Uh, uh, his best year? Ooh, Mike's got that pulled up right now. No, and I agree I'll with you. I'll pull it you. up right now. I don't think, and I'm not saying he's a bad Where pitcher. Where is Burt Plyleven? That's a weird question on Google. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I just Googled Burt Plyleven and it says, Where, Where is, is? Burt um, but it's, like I said, I'm not him. saying that he's... Circle him. Yeah. <laughs> Circle there you me, go. Bert. Um, I'm not saying that he's not a great pitcher. You go, I'm Gabe. just saying he uh, falls on the good side One of his side best seasons, he won 20 games. He also lost 17. Hmm. But he had an ERA of 2.52. So that, to me, sounds like no run support. Well, I mean, that's um, typical for a Twins franchise. I bet the average ERA in that era was probably high threes or something like that. That's though, what I'm too. saying. So a 2.52, yeah. that's pretty impressive to me. It's good, but it's not... In Great. that era, that's not insane. Yeah, and, and I love Bert Blylevin. Like I, I, I was a pitcher in college. Like I'm, I'm into this, you know. And it's like I just, he feels like a longevity Hall of, like he's the bottom cut Hall of Famer, which sounds like such a pissant thing to say. I mean, but, <laughs> you know, but to worst me, of like, the first Hall yeah, of Fame yeah. is like even another step up from great. So if yeah. we're asking, was he great? They don't necessarily have to be in the Hall of Fame to be great. No, that's like Hall facts. of Fame is another step up from great. So was he good or great? I think he was great. All right, that's fair. Let's uh, let's move on to the uh, next one here, Gabe. Who we got next? Buster Posey. Good. Strong came onto the scene. Good. Seemed super early. Good. Just good. Good. Why? Just good. Like I mean, he had like what three or four All Star type seasons. Yeah, where he was like he was and it's where funny. he wasn't even arguably the best player in the league at his position at that time. Well, that's because Joe Maurer was still catching back then. The guy from the Orioles that was Yadier still catching, Molina. Yadier Molina. Like that's what I'm saying. He wasn't like, even yeah, top so. three in his like great years. Good career is he, and he's good. a career. He's good. All right, Move on. Good. Next. Oh, here we go. Curtis Martin, Jets running back. Is it okay if I like look, look yeah, him up and like yeah. want to? Oh yeah, refresh my memory here with statistics. St- statistics. Statistics. Um. Okay. It's I got a nerd show. So I would like my initial thought would be great. I, yeah, I think because again, there's another level above great that's like Hall of Fame level, right? Yep. Or like legend status in yep. a way. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say great. Um, especially like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten straight thousand yard seasons. Okay. So why is he in the hall? I don't know. Is he? I don't think so. I don't believe so. So why is he not in the hall? Is it, is it a Jets thing? Is it a Jets thing? <laughs> is it because he's a thing, Jet? Right. It could be a Jets thing. Um, I don't know, man. That's a great question. His average wasn't amazing. He was kind of a workhorse, so he'd get the ball a lot. Um, so he. He'd get his touches and yards. Um, you know, his average per carry was over four, I think two or three times over that like 10 year span. Yeah. So he was getting, you know, three, four yards a pop every time. That's consistent. Um, That's good. It's 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 great. 
okay. you know, if you're going to get four yards every time I hand you the ball, we're going to get a first down every three downs, right? Um, I would say great, but there's another level that, in my opinion, is Hall of Fame type running back. Fair enough. Because he was like just eclipsing a thousand a couple of these years, like 1160, 1152. And he's the football. There you go. Like, in a way, yeah. Like, I mean, he's just extremely, he's better than average, which I would say is like good in a way. Yeah. Good and average to me are like right there. Okay. Um, He's better than average. And he did it for a long time. So I would say as, as a player in and of himself, great player. Just barely sneaking over the wall here. Fair enough. What we got next? Adrian Gonzalez. Now, this is a tough one. I debated even pulling this, but is he a great s- ball player. So he was part of those Boston Red Sox. He was part oh, of no, one of that Red Sox World Series I would teams, say, like, he has, like, two different careers, of- and I would define the two different careers as, well, like, one is great and one is, like, good. He was actually very good in... LA, LA for like the, two seasons, end, yeah. or at the very, it was, I think it was actually at the beginning of his time in LA because they got him from San Diego where he was tearing the cover off the ball. So he had a stretch there for three different teams, I think, where he was like a 30 home run, 100 RBI per year guy. He's got some World Series rings to his resume. He played for with Ortiz, then he played for the Manny Wood team for a little bit. I just, uh, this was a tough one for even me. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Hmm. I'm going to say good Ooh. because tough break who he was. He was supposed to be this big power hitter. Wasn't he? Yeah. Um, supposed to be, I think they very much saw him in the mold of like uh, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. At first base. And hit over 30 home runs four times. That's it. Wow. Really? So like, I'm going to say maybe a little above average, kind of that good, maybe peaking up, you know, at, at, Yeah. He's howdy he, neighbor. He, he's the neighbor from Home Improvement. He's looking over the fence into the great territory. Um, close, but no cigar on that one. Fair enough. I, uh, I like would I, you agree on that one? I think it falls either way. I think because he was part of some World Series teams where he may not have been the weapon, but he was a weapon in on a very good team. But he was always marketed as a like the weapon in right. a way. No, I agree. And I he agree. wasn't. I he agree. just wasn't the weapon. So no, I I think uh, the neighbor thing. Yeah. Is a very accurate statement for Adrian Gonzalez's career. He's no Bert Blylevin. Gabe is comparing everybody to Bert this I morning. I think that's so. Gabe's idol right there. That's what it sounds like. All right, what do we got next, Gabe? This Ooh. was the poll. This was the poll. So, Prince Fielder. Nice wording. The poll? So, this <laughs> was the poll. I, uh, it took me a minute to find this one. He didn't stay 28 forever, I don't think. I know he carried 28 for a couple of years when he was in uh, Detroit, but then he also wore 86 when he was in Texas very early on. Okay. okay. So, absolutely feared power hitter. And just kind of like Derek Rose, back injury ended his career way early. I would say great. great. Okay. I would say great. Um, just from what I can remember... You did not want to pitch to Prince Fielder. No. Like, in his prime, stay the hell away from him. You thought Shohei Otani was hitting the ball hard? Yeah. Go ahead. Go back and watch some Prince Fielder highlights. This man threw his whole weight behind the ball. And that's a lot of weight to throw behind Yeah, like 270, 280. (laughs) He looks – I think him and uh, Pat Williams look about the same size in some of these photos. (laughs) Yeah. So, no, I like Prince Fielder, and I wish he would have had a longer career. I mean, he hit 50 in 07, dude. That's a lot of home runs. That's a lot of home runs. And he got walked all the time, too, because he could 
will he make the hall? I don't think I so. I think it's a durability issue about his Hall of Fame career because he did kind of sputter out in his late 20s, right around the age I am, 28, 29. He kind of, yeah. that's when he suffered his injury. Um, I think he had one, let me check. He had one year after 30 where he hit 20 plus home runs and then he was done by 32. Yeah. And it was, so a I think it's, thing. I think it's a durability issue. Um, if he could have replicated or just, you know, slowly fallen off, I think he would have been in the hall. What's his career home run number? His career home run number is 319. Yeah. Not close. If he was in the 400 club, I would be like, yeah, you could probably get him in. If but, he'd have given one but more, he had a majority more. of them in like an eight year span. That's the insane thing. So, okay, so if he's not making the hall, right, so let's have this conversation. He's just below kind of that. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of players like that. If you're, and I've always had this thought about the Hall of Fame in general, if you're ever going to get to a point to where you're looking at guys that are quote-unquote fringe guys, but they were the best player for more than a five-year period of time at their position, which he was, how do you not go, yeah, that guy gets into the hall? The Hall of Fame has to be an exclusive club. It has to be. Otherwise, getting into the Hall of Fame doesn't mean as much as it should. No, I, I, I agree. I'm just saying it's kind of weird. The way I look at it, I'm like. There should be almost statistical benchmarks to make. There the should. Hall I of agree. Fame. I agree. Like, in a way. Like, yep. no matter who you are, this is what you have to do. I agree with that. Like, obviously, there's going to be some exceptions, but. I agree. I wonder if there is. That's I why wonder... when I look at Bert and he's got, like, what was it, 270 wins, we said? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Hall. Hall. Like, in a way, I don't know. That's what you get for being a crybaby. Wait till the last minute to let you into the party. I just want him to circle me. Circle me, Bert. All right, we got to move on. All right, let's move on. Um, we're going to do a uh, oh, Bert Blyla 11 was the last one. So that's the end of that Bye, segment, Bert. folks. Bye. Bye, 28. Let us know what you guys think. Was yeah. I correct? Was Mike wrong? So for tallying things up, Bert Blyla 11, Prince Fielder, and Curtis Martin, all great. Yep. Buster Posey. Um, <laughs> was a buster. Was a bust. Um, Adrian Gonzalez. Not great. Not great. Who? Now, this is what we didn't get to. Now, there were some names, obviously, on here that were not included. When you think of the number 28, and I say the word great, who are the players that automatically come to mind for you? Obviously, as a Vikings fan, the first one that pops up is Adrian Peterson. Let's go! Um, Corey Dillon comes to mind. Honestly, a lot of running backs worked on. Okay. Um, oh, he was the, he was actually on this list. I, he we didn't get to him, but um, that's okay. We got to move on. We had Fred Taylor too. Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor eh. is a good one. A good one, I would say. It's a longevity issue again. Yeah, and he had to split carries for a lot of years with Maurice Jones Drew. Yeah, well, towards the end. Yeah. The reason they brought in Jones Drew was because Fred Taylor was good, not great. Proves yeah. my point. All right, moving on. All right, so let's Sorry, check folks, in. Gotta, uh, let's I, check in on the NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, lots going on right now. Um, just a brief. I'll go. I'm gonna go through a brief overview of what's going on in the NBA. Okay. Um, Stan Van Gundy got fired out of New Orleans. Yep. Okay. Uh, Terry Scott's gone. We still know that. Jason Kidd's name has been withdrawn from a lot of head coaching things because for some reason his past is being floated out. He's got some domestic abuse and alcohol things that are going on. So it's the Real Housewives of the NBA and the coaching carousel right now. Um, we got some stars that want to be on the move. Others, a lot of them right now, hurt. LeBron obviously was hurt. Anthony Davis was hurt. Kawhi Leonard is out indefinitely until they figure out what's going on with his ACL. Uh, Sam Sharanya tweeted the other day that it is an ACL injury. The only ACL injury I know of is an ACL tear. I don't know if you can sprain that thing and play. Um, you got Chris Paul, who did the most Chris Paul thing ever 
and got COVID on a rest day before the Western Conference Finals. So who knows if they're going to be back. James Harden is playing on one hamstring out there, scoring five he was points. A total decoy. Um, so that's just kind of the state of the NBA right now. Mike, give me three takeaways from where the NBA is at at this given moment. So first off, because we talked about LeBron last week, Ooh. he went and pissed me off even more. Um, if you guys didn't see his, I think it was a tweet, where he basically blamed the like condensed NBA schedule for all of the injuries for the stars. Um, like you said, you know, James Harden, Kawhi. Yep. Um, there's like nine or ten quote unquote stars that are injured right now. Gotcha. Um soft. How do you spell it? S A W F T. Soft. 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 Um, I just I this guy continues to just piss me off. Like in a way. Like I'm not even a LeBron hater, and he's like <laughs> trying to make me into a LeBron hater because I don't know. I just Go back to the 90s where these dudes were basically boxing for rebounds. Yeah. Like, oh, I had to play three games in three nights, and it that's why I'm, I tore my ACL. Dumb. Like, it's just soft and dumb. Like, I don't know. It's just bogus, man. Like, this have some a- nuts. You're a professional athlete with professional rehabilitation. Yep. Like, maintenance. Like, soft. LeBron, you're just old. I still think Suns Nets are my pick. I do too. Dependent on CP3. So dependent on what is it? Jazz and Clip. Clippers. If they go seven games, it will give CP3 the time, hopefully, to miss maybe one game. That's the of the, the Western Conference Finals. What was tweeted out yesterday? Yesterday, the what they were alluding to that game one is definitely out the window. Okay. So if he comes back quickly, I still think Suns Nets. Yep. So I'm going to put that stipulation in there. Okay. If CP3 is out more than two games of that series, I don't know. Um, and then we have to talk about KD's monster game. Uh, 49, Whoa. 17, and 10. Whoa. The most impressive part of it, though, because I've been talking about how soft the NBA is, this man played every single minute of a crucial game five Uh just carried the team on his back. Slim Reaper. Carried the Slim Reaper. Yeah. So I tweeted when I found when I saw that Kyrie Irving had rolled his ankle. I tweeted, I said, we're gonna see what Katie's legacy is gonna become because he's gonna have the opportunity to shut everybody up. You're soft because you went to Oklahoma City. You're soft because you built a super team in New York. I don't think people realize that this is the same individual that in his free time went out and dropped 70 points at Rucker Park in a televised game. If KD wants to put the ball in the bucket on you, he's going to find KD a way. KD might be the best scorer in this generation. Not just score. He's an underrated rim defender for blocking because he's seven feet tall. He distributed the ball extremely well. The only reason uh, Green has the game that he has and Harden got any points and that team rolled was because he was distributing the basketball and then he was scoring at will. By the way, I absolutely love that he's aware of in his head how many points he scores because at the end of the game, he very obviously shoots that first free throw, doesn't hit it, and NBA caught it. Fuck! Right in the, right at the free throw line, which is something I would have done immediately upon knowing I was going to miss the first ever 50-point triple-double in NBA history, right. I think. But, like, that game was insane, and the Bucks are in trouble because if that's the Kevin Durant we're going to get for game six, that series is over. Yeah. Over. Well, he's a slim reaper for a reason. 
if he gets another ring the end of the buck season ring we're going to reopen up this katie lebron james conversation all over again if he gets another ring because he will have got he will have been the reason that you know that dragged a bunch of dead bodies across the finish line like i have to hear in every lebron james argument ever right so that was kind of cool what was your last one that or was that That was that was three you you owe me two more i believe yeah um i just wanted to put out there that the Suns are a legitimate squad long-term. Chris Paul, though. Long-term, with or without, okay. I think. So if you look at the development of DeAndre Ayton, who has now in back-to-back series gone up against other quality big men right. and showed out great games against Anthony Davis, great games against Nikola Jokic. That's, that's, a, that's a top five center in the NBA right now. Devin Booker, walking bucket, yep. can put the ball in the hoop whenever he wants to. Um, you've got uh, Bridges who has turned the corner as we've gotten into the playoffs here. Torrey Craig is a great guy off the bench. I think whether Honestly, or not, I think Jay Crowder is a huge piece of that. If they retain him, I hope he finds a home because he's lights out from, from you know, distance, it seems. Monte Williams, their coach, is incredibly smart. I think the Suns are very underrated. I think even without... So if the Nets get to the finals and... Harden and Kyrie are still both not 100%. I think the Nets take that, or the the Suns take that series. There's a lot of weapons that aren't as appreciated as they should be on that Suns roster. Yeah, they're just not as big of names, but they're just as lethal. They will be. They will be. Um, So you have, so if you, so you have Nets and Suns. I do. And you actually have the Suns taking it. Depending if on Harden health, and health, Kyrie. health. If if Harden is healthy, I think they lose. They don't even need Kyrie. Harden changes everything because we're just glossing right over the Clippers and Jazz series right now. That's tough. Donovan Mitchell's got a wonky ankle. Conley's out. Kawhi's out. Clarkson's not playing well. Kawhi's out. Um, George Paul is over there trying to be playoff P. Paul which George. he hit George Paul. Same thing. Same guy. <laughs> right. Um, and he played a great game last night. George Paul, a third Paul brother. Right. <laughs> All of them are getting knocked out. Yep. How about that? Basically, there you go. Touche. So, um, yeah, just I, I don't want to gloss over it. I just don't think the Clippers have the tools in the bag to get over this series, which is going to go seven, I feel like, and then Keep have playing, enough yeah. to get into that NBA, the Western Conference Finals or the NBA or whatever in – and make a run, It they just don't have the health. They don't have the depth. They don't have – I think Doc Rivers is going to get a lot of pressure here too, so that gets kind of tough. It's just the Clippers are in trouble. Speaking of health, it yeah. kind of moves us into our glass half top. Oh, yeah. Day oh, yeah. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Well, I'm wearing a Vikings hat today. pretty much all year last year with yeah. a neck injury. Oh, yeah. And, and it goes as my second called it counter because yep. I called that he would be in camp. Uh, Daniil Hunter is – in camp and going to be a Viking for hopefully a long time. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the details of his contract yet? I did. Okay, what is it? So, um, from what it looks like to me, they moved up money into his deal this year. Uh, I think it was an additional four or five million dollars. Here we go. We got the tweet. So, Daniel Hunter gets five point six million dollars this year, um, due as a signing bonus. Sources says more importantly, there is now an eighteen million dollar roster bonus on the fifth day of the league year okay. in twenty twenty two, creating. A decision for Minnesota. He'll either make twenty million dollars or so next year. 
be released or have a new deal. Uh, Ian Rappaport obviously reports this is a win-win deal for both sides. Obviously, the Vikings are in a winning window right now. We want to be able to get to the Super Bowl. We're going to need Daniel Hunter to do that. Yep. We've talked about that in the past. Um, and then even if he's due $20 million next year, I take a look at what some of the top pass rushers are going to be making next that's year. Less anyways. That's less than them, That's less that? than Bosa's, yeah. the Bosa brothers, and some of the new guys that They're are going to be getting money say. coming up. So I think what's going to happen regardless is he's going to get another long-term deal, and that's that $20 million roster bonus is going to go away. Or, you know, on the I think it's dependent year, if so. he stays healthy this year. Yeah, And we're going to talk about that. Actually, we can kind of get into that now. You, you go ahead and talk about health because – because it's a big Viking day, I'm going to go ahead and get into my appropriate Viking garb. So go ahead and tell oh, me what you think about Daniil Hunter. I mean, Daniil Hunter has developed into one of the premier, if not the premier pass rusher, in my opinion, in the league. I agree. Um, his length and speed is like no other. Oh. Vikings training, baby. All right. You know it. Um, as long as he stays healthy, he will continue to get paid as one of the top pass rushers in the league. Um, okay. I'm curious to see how that neck does after, you know, being in some of those group tackles and getting his head banged down and all this stuff. But I'm very excited to see him coming off the edge again this year. Okay. So he's been, so there's a lot that's gone on obviously, obviously with him. Um, he passed his team physical big plus. Yep. Um, so they, they think he's healthy enough to play. So that's important to keep in mind. Then you also have to take a look at the fact that he went to the like, he had a press conference yesterday that I watched, um, kind of the first time he's been back with the media since before the injury. Um, we found out some cool things. He has been in communications with our with the defensive line coach every week since the injury. Washington, right? Washington. Nope, Edwards. Edwards. Or, That's right. Yeah, yeah Edwards. Um, so he's been in touch with them every week. He still isn't talking to the media about what the injury was or how his rehab went, and he's not willing to talk to them about any of the business side of things. Now, this isn't against the grain for Daniil Hunter. He said in the interview as well, he's like, I've never brought my health or the business side of football to the table for the media to take a look at regardless, so I'm just going to decide not to talk about that. But the one thing that I guess I can pull from the media session, uh, that this is not directed at Daniil, this is directed at the media. Can we stop trying to piss him off? They asked the same fucking question like four times how is recovery what were you injured for what do you expect out of your new deal and every single time he said i'm not talking about it if he doesn't want to talk about it don't make the man talk about it let's keep him as happy as possible so we can get him a deal that locks him up for the next 10 years and we can put I him mean, in the I, hall like I we see, did john Randall. i completely see where you're coming from but it's whether or not he signs with the vikings isn't going to be dependent on the minneapolis media it might be no it won't that's dumb that's dumb as hell and if it is i don't even want him on the vikings no you take that back right now. Okay, you're going to tell me that you would want a kid who's as immature that's going to hold it against the team for what the media asks him in the press conferences? When they don't listen, yeah. I would They're like to listening. Go to He's not answering the question. He it's their job easily, to get the answer to that question. He could very easily go to a media market where, like, think about it. There are media markets out there where coaches protect play. Like, they just, they flat out, they protect their players from questions like this. Like, it's very, you're seeing some of it bleed in from the NBA where there's certain things, like, if they don't want to talk about it, you know just not to ask. And if I've asked, me, if I was in Daniil's shoes yesterday, the first time I answered the question and I said, I'm not bringing this up. And then somebody followed up with the same question and I said, I'm not bringing this up. When that third question came across, I would have got up and walked away from the camera. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, thank you, Gabe. If he can't handle Minneapolis media, what, he's going to go to. That's not my point. And you get off Daniel's back too because we're part of the media I'm now, I'm not Mike. on Daniel's back. But here's the thing. As a professional athlete, you have a responsibility 
two press conferences. We saw that with Marshawn Lynch. Then he should have sat there and just said, I'm here so I don't get fined. Exactly. Uh, that I mean, if that's the way you're going to look at it. Then if, if that's the way he's going to be, if he's going to just be there and not answer the prevalent questions to his recovery mm-hmm. and to his new deal, to everything that's going on with him, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you doing there? I don't know. I mean, who is... Uh, I know. I was trying to think. Where's he going to go? Buffalo? Like I mean, where New there's England. no media, <laughs> New England, England. New England, yeah, Cleveland. Oh, please don't go to Cleveland. Like I'm just trying to think where he would even go. I don't know. He can't I go just... to New. He can't go to New York. He can't go to Los Angeles. He would. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it's just it's one of those things where like I would just prefer the Vikings do the right thing if the guy doesn't. It's want not to talk up to, to the, the Vikings though. They can tell it's the, the media. freedom of the press, bro. They can t- he can, they can keep him from having to sit up on the podium and answer questions in the first place if this is how it's going to pan out. Again, I'm pretty sure that there's like a part of their contract that it says that they have to report to the media. There's a reason Marshawn Lynch was up on the podium eating Skittles saying, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Well, he just reworked his deal. So maybe they take that out of his goddamn contract then, Mike. I mean, maybe he doesn't sign it unless it's taken out. Awesome. There you go. There's the advice for Daniil right there. So let's, uh, before I start sweating because Mike is so wrong, let's flip I'm on not... the glass. Actually, before we get into the glass half topic of the day, the Vikings also went out and got who? Sheldon Richardson. This defense is going to be. Oh, it's veteran loaded. Is going to be a problem. So I want everybody to pay attention right now, okay? This defense, I love. I love that they are getting. No, no credit from the media. Right. Nobody's talking about it's them. Nobody's the looking at them. Nobody's got them on any type of Super Bowl run. They're not getting any press. This team has more pro bowlers on it, I would argue, than a lot of other teams in the NFC right now. You look at the controversy that has become the Green Bay Controversy? Packers. Yes. All right. We're using SAT words today, ladies and gentlemen. All right. The controversy that is the Green Bay Packers – the Bears don't know what the fuck they're doing. They said they're going to sit Justin Fields the entire first year and give the job to Thank Andy Dalton. You, Bears. Jared Goff is an opposing quarterback in this division. There's a lot of questions. The Saints aren't going to be in a full reset. That opens up a top-seeded playoff. The Vikings are making a run this year. You have got a lot of depth on the defensive line, depth in that linebacking core. We've got depth in the secondary. Let's look at the offensive side of the ball. We added two starters, uh, Udo. Zim said came out, looks really good. Rashad Hill looks like he's improved. Uh, Irv Smith has had a good camp. A lot of the undrafted um, wide receiver threes that we've got look fantastic. Larry Fitzgerald was in Minnesota over the weekend. Speaking of wide receiver threes. To possibly sign with the Vikings and make a run. Then you've got Adam Thielen and you've got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond is waiting in the wings. Apparently the offense is Shout out CJ Ham. Yep, shout out CJ Ham. He goes to the same church I do now. Oh, very cool. Um... This team is about it, about it this year. And I love that they continue to disrespect and sleep on the Minnesota Vikings because I'm going to dance on all your graves when we're like getting a home playoff game. And I'm sitting in U.S. Bank Stadium doing the, the epic skull chant alongside a lot of other screaming maniacs. Fuck you, Sean Payton. All right, what's the flip it? Because I got to go. I'm just going to yeah. be honest with our viewers. I coach high school football. And Mike and has other obligations. So the glass half topic of the day is just going to be the Daniil Hunter signing as a whole. Okay, where's the glass half full? Where might the glass, you know, be right. half empty? Okay, so I'll flip. Headphones in my way. What'd you get? Heads, I got glass half full. Okay, so glass half empty if he does get injured or doesn't perform or doesn't produce as a top five edge rusher. So it's all 
it's all dependent on his performance. Okay. Um, I don't. So as of right now, I don't think you can judge the signing. Okay. Because I think that they did the right thing as far as what he has done in the past. It's kind of a baseball contract in a way. Like they're paying yeah. him for what he's done, um, and then they're going to reevaluate in 2022 and see if they're going to sign him again or release him or move on. Yeah. Um, I I don't think you can really judge it until he gets on the field this fall. So you think they shouldn't have? Do you think they just shouldn't have pushed the money up then? Until they saw that he was healthy? No, like I said, it's kind of a baseball contract right now. You're kind of paying him for what he's done. Um, and what is it? It's a two-year deal then, right? 2021, 20, 2022? I think it. Or just I, this year? I think the way that it was restructured is just this last year. If we're okay. wrong, let us know if you know something we don't. But I, I do honestly. i football contracts, to be honest. I do think it's going to be this. And I don't think it's going to matter even if it is a two-year because if you're looking at a $20 million roster bonus, one of two things is going to happen. He's going to come in and be like, well, I'm still not making top-end money. Or the Vikings are going to say, hey, you're making too much money because you're injury-prone now. So I think right. that number is going to dictate a lot to include whether or not Kellen Mond is going to be our starter I mean, if Daniel Hunter comes out and plays damn near every snap and gets five sacks all year, then it was a horrible signing. You don't know that. He took a whole year off. I said if he does this. Okay, gotcha. If he comes out and gets hurt week two for 10 weeks, bad signing. True. See what I'm saying? So it's all dependent on his play in the fall. I I can get behind that. You would almost agree with that with the glass half full. I feel like. Yeah, so I if think... If he the, gets 15 sacks... I think the glass up. is most half full. Are you done? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. You want to get out of here? I mean, I'll hear your take quick. Okay. okay. And then so, you can wrap it up and I'll get out I'll of here. I'll wrap it up. Okay, so uh, I think the glass is going to be most half full here, folks, because you're looking at, regardless if Daniil Hunter is Daniil Hunter, you're getting a lot back with him. You're getting the threat of Daniil Hunter back that offensive lines are going to have to respect until they figure out whether or not he's healthy. And that's going to bode well for Sheldon Richardson. It's going to bode well for uh, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then whoever they have on the other side uh, to rush. Cause you're going to have to, you're going to have to use, you help. have to double Daniel. If, right. If he's anywhere, which is going like to help our secondary. And well, and you're going to have to do that regardless. Cause what do you want? Week one, him to come out and absolutely and get rolling with four sacks. No, right. you're going to have to respect him right away. So you get that back. Having a guy like that in the room too, that, Edwards has developed and is going to toe the line with what he's got going on as far as bringing along guys like Jones and some of the the younger pass rushers, Wanham, who's reworked his body and things like that. It's important to have that guy in the room. So I think the glass is most half full because you not only got back the player, but you got back all the things that come with him as an example, as a centerpiece. He's kind of a quiet leader. You know, what you do in the dark shows in the light kind of guy. That was evident by how he handled his recovery. He wasn't public with it. He just kind of went away and did his own thing and wanted to make sure that he was right. So this is just, this is, this is the signing that the Vikings needed to make it to get them over the hump. I feel like so round of applause to them for actually doing the right thing and getting it done. Daniil, just answer the questions. All right. I'm out of here. Everybody. Thank you for listening in. Nick, I'll take it from the rest of the way. I will. I'll take I gotta it. Go. Take it for you the rest of the kids. show. Bye Mike. See you buddy. Everybody wish uh, Mike a happy birthday, belated birthday in the comments. He's got to go make sure that he coaches uh, up some, some youngins. So he's going to slide behind me here and then we'll uh, wrap this show up. Bingo. All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate uh, you guys tuning in. Um, of course, um, before we go, I do want to say as well, I think there's going to be some ties to uh, between Daniel Hunter and the quarterback situation that's going to unfold in Minnesota. Okay. Um, 
if he comes out and performs, they're going to have to pay him. And with them drafting Kellen Mond, you're going to wind up in a situation where you got to figure out whether or not you're going to continue to pay Kirk or now that you've got a cheaper option at quarterback from what we've heard through the media, he's come along pretty well. Um, or do you just roll with that guy? You know, so I think, you know, Daniel plays well. You pay him, you get rid of Kirk. I think Daniel doesn't perform. Maybe we retain Kirk for one more year because the Vikings seem to somewhat be coming around to the idea that there's two ways that you win in the NFL. You either, either got to do it um, via paying everybody else except for the quarterback or paying a quarterback that's good enough to elevate the entirety of the roster. So um, let us know what you think. Uh, where was the glass half full? Where was the glass half empty? Um, did we miss anything as far as greats that were wearing the number 28? Um, did we miss anything that you wanted us to talk about from UFC 263? Are the Twins an absolute joke of a franchise for calling up the wrong guy? Or are they leaving the right guy in the minors? Um, I appreciate everything that you guys have done. Tuning in and following alongside us um if you guys would like to like share and subscribe you can follow us on glass half sports uh on facebook tiktok instagram youtube spotify and as of this week we will also have a patreon that gets put up so if you like the content and you want to support it you can go ahead and uh, send us some cash so we can continue to bring you all of the awesome sports takes that you have enjoyed this far i hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week we will be back with you at our regularly scheduled time next thursday at 11 take care <laughs>